0: Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BETDAC, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BETDAC is changing for the better. For the better. Like you. BETDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Been an astonishing shootout of penalty failures. Manchester United cannot afford another one. And they've got one, and Sunderland go to Wembley. Saved by Manoni. It is
1: sensational for Sunderland and Gus Poyet. Another disaster for David Moyes and his Manchester United. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Rogue Report podcast. Today we've got a cult hero who played for the lads between the years of 2013 and 2017, part of countless great escapes and a famous penalty saver at Old Trafford. Joining us all the way from Minnesota is Vito Manone. How are you doing, Vito? Are you well? Hello. Yes, I'm fine. I'm fine. How is life in America?
2: Yeah, great. Great so far. A good experience and uh, I'm enjoying every minute of it. How does it compare to ha <laughs> Yeah, it's two different words. Uh, <laughs> I can't really compare. I can't really compare. It's difficult to... To compare Sunderland is a a unique experience uh, on his own. So,
1: you can say that again. Yeah, definitely. So, we've got a few questions for you. We've got a lot to run through, but I want to start with a nice, easy one lull you into a false sense of security. You played at Sunderland for three seasons, approximately. You played with some fantastic players. You played with quite a few defenders as well. But who was the best player that you played alongside at Sunderland and why? Yeah, it's been
2: a few, to be honest. It's been a few, but it's. It's difficult to say. Um we we got great veterans in the team. We had uh you know John O'Shea, West Brown, people who won a lot. And you got good fighters like uh, Lee Cattermall and uh probably one of the best strikers I play with is uh Germain Defoe. So let's go for Germain. <laughs> one of my good friends and uh you know it's um uh, yeah, I think uh Germain has been uh, one of the best strikers in the uh, Prem. And, uh, you know, while uh, I was there, I could uh,
1: understand why. And uh, I could understand why he's been so prolific in, in front of goal. Now, I want to rewind back to when you first joined the club. In hindsight, it was a little bit of a weird time to be a Sunland fan. You had DeFanti and DeCanio were kind of the head of the recruitment. How did the Sunland move come about and, and what convinced you to make the move to, to Sunland?
2: oh it's uh it was a moment where my path and sunderland path you know uh, uh we kind of meet uh in the middle where I was needed in game time and I was needing to you know have a good go at uh, at the Premier League I played a few games with Arsenal and I was always trying to make my mark uh you know at Arsenal. but uh I didn't have the Chance to do so as much as I wanted to, and um, Sunderland needed a goalkeeper after losing Simon Mignolet, which he was player of the year, and you know we 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 all know the story. Um, for me to go there and uh, kind of replace him, you know, it was a a very good challenge, and uh, that's why uh, I decided to uh, you know to, to to jump on board and uh, try to do my best and trying to replicate what Simon did in the past and uh thankfully I managed it.
1: <laughs> How, what was your first imf- impressions of uh Paolo Di Canio when when you first met him not not your first coaching session just when he met you and said he wanted to sign you what was your impressions of him?
2: Uh it was <laughs> it was a strange one. <laughs> Everything is strange with him. It's uh no, it's it, it was the man who really wanted to win and uh, uh would do anything to win. Um sometimes I think uh uh his behaviors were a little bit you know overboard over the line and but uh, i can i can say he was a good coach and uh you know a straightforward person and somebody who's done it in the past as a player who wanted to do as much as a as a coach that's uh, the that the,
1: the field I had i i've been told by sort of numerous numerous different players from that era that that pre-season the training in that pre-season was the most difficult most draining that any managers ever done how how was that pre-season uh, the hardest of my life <laughs> <laughs>
2: so it was uh, it was a very interesting one because uh Everybody was running, included goalkeepers, you know, us goalkeeping, you know, a goalkeeper sometimes uh, <laughs> avoid the runs and uh, manage to avoid the runs. But that, that year I ran all the way. <laughs> so uh, It was a very interesting preseason. We sometimes we woke up at six thirty in the morning and before breakfast, we had the first session, gym session, running session. And uh, then the second session would come along after two hours, and then another <laughs> session in the afternoon. And that was uh, probably the most draining pre-season I had as three uh, sessions a day, most of the times, a lot of games in the heat, uh, 30 degrees in Italy. And I'm Italian, and that wasn't one of the best places to be in, in Italy. <laughs> so I can tell you that for sure, but it's, it's been good for fitness and everything to be honest.
1: Did you miss tomato sauce though? (laughs) Not really. Not really. We had a a strict diet uh, imposed by him and uh, we had to eat (laughs) pasta every day (laughs) so we could run even more. (laughs) He liked his running. Every player said, and you said it as well, I don't think anyone had run as much as they have in their life until they met Paolo. Yeah, certain players,
2: certain players, you know, I won't say names, but
1: (laughs) <laughs> they couldn't. Uh, they didn't
2: like running that much, and they couldn't finish the running. And I tell you what: uh, until you didn't finish the runs, despite the league was starting, you couldn't be training with the with the team. So that's how strict it was. Uh, you had to finish all the runs to be to be training with the team.
1: Now you didn't get along with him as a head coach. Obviously, he brought you in in the summer, but I think he lasted six games. He had he had his ways. I think many people know about. Um did you have a good personal relationship with him I know that certain players for example Phil Bosley did not mm. um but how was your personal relationship with him um
2: i started well and i thought it was going to be okay but <laughs> i had my problems too Where uh basically that year i was number 1 throughout the preseason um i played all the friendlies and it was okay but He's got his opinions. He's got his, he thinks he, he can read you mentally, and um, a day or two before the beginning of the season, I was gonna start the game, the first game, and uh, he called me in the office and he said, uh, "You're not gonna play because you don't smile enough." And I, uh, I said, "This is not possible." <laughs> uh, he said, uh, "Yeah, you're very angry in training. You don't want to lose games." and uh, I thought it was a good thing <laughs> because I didn't want to lose any training games and I was very challenging every time. So, uh, nothing. He, he, he took it that way. He, yeah. He he, he
1: liked smiling a lot, so I've been told.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. Me, I'm very serious. during. I'm, I'm a positive guy. I'm always smiling, but at, when I'm down to work, I think you can, you, you know, if you saw many Sunderland games, you could see me. My face changed, my game face changed and I'm uh, very focused on the job and, uh, uh i become a sort of animal <laughs> that's <laughs> i i completely changed yeah my, i completely changed my um, uh, attitude but uh nothing he took it that way and uh since then we kind of fall out and uh, uh, as i said it's uh he had these problems with other players as you said he was a uh, it um, was a good coach but again um i don't know it's some, um, you know uh how can i say um his managerial, yeah. you know, man-to-man, uh,
1: managerial skills, I, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> and I think that came to pass with um, with his sacking, of course, or his the relieving of his duties. Now, I, d- I don't think you play for him in the, in the league games. I think he no. preferred Kieran Westwood for the first six league games. When, when he left, uh, there was a, a lot of rumours of a, sort of a player's revolt, I think, <laughs> is the way that people put it. But... What actually happened in the aftermath of that West Brom game, to, to your memory? <sighs> Nothing. is. Uh, <laughs> the next morning at 7 o'clock we were at a training round. That, that's what happened. And,
2: uh, we had this uh, sort of meeting and uh, obviously, it's, um, you know, I-, I can't go into details of the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I can only say, you know, it hasn't been an easy one. And uh, um, I think the club decided to... Yeah to go that way and uh, to to have a quick change and a quick reaction from the team. And I think uh, that worked out because the, that season we did well after.
1: Yeah, of course. And I think, you know, as, as it was, uh, Gus Poyet came in um, shortly after at the start of the season. Two games into that Gus Poyet era, Kieran Westwood gets injured. You get your chance as well. But I think everything for every player and every fan changed with Gus Poyet. Um, what is it that he changed around the dressing room to improve the atmosphere so much?
2: Yeah, it was uh, a very positive manager who came in and uh, kind of changed the mood and uh, he demanded a reaction from us and uh, certain rules were left off uh, after some, you know, as, as you said before, the preseason was really hard and then we went into the first five, six games and uh, uh, Di Canio had his own rules. He was very strict um inside the training ground and uh sometimes it works with play- with with certain players and sometimes it doesn't and uh for us it didn't work and um we needed uh, a man like us to to come in and uh change this uh, kind of environment and uh especially when you lose games, you know you need a kind of reaction and then, um I think slowly we we we've changed our game style and we change uh, our way of training and uh, slowly we we build up our season we started to get points get the confidence back and uh that's usually what you know it works with uh with the change of management personally as well it was uh, somebody who finally came in and uh, he didn't have any um Smiling problems or anything like that. <laughs> and, uh, he, he just uh, showed my you know he, he just you know wanted to see my quality in training, and uh, finally, I could push
1: for a chance. and uh, when I got my chance, I never came out. I think with with Gus as well, as you said, we started picking up points. Um, Newcastle was one game, but also Manchester City, which I think was your home debut. But there was a few games where it it, it didn't click. um it didn't click. As well as it did later on in the season. I think we struggled a little bit. It was like a win, a lose, a, 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 a draw, a defeat. But I remember really vividly, you had an absolutely outstanding game down at Goodison Park on Boxing Day. Yeah. Uh, we beat Everton 1 0. And things seemed to change from there on. And did things yeah, but... change in the dressing room for you? And, and personally, did the team just suddenly think they could get out of this?
2: Yeah, it was a massive game. It was, uh, as you say, probably was one of the moments where we. Turn the corner, um, as you said. In the first few months with Gus, we tried to learn his way to play from the back, and probably we didn't have every player uh, fit, and we we had some problems. You know, um, we didn't find the right uh, right balance, and uh, again we gained some value points as as you say against City or against uh, uh, certain teams, but then we we kind of lost our uh our way um trying to mold into his game and uh, it, it wasn't easy he always needed time we knew that after a difficult start we needed time to uh get used to his uh, game style and uh um, after you confidence when you get the points but um that game i remember very well we we lost a few players in defense especially. uh we went to play with with players who made their debut basically uh Diakite and Roberge, and you know it was uh, a few of the boys who didn't play for a long time and uh it was difficult to go at Goodison Park. We all knew that it was gonna be a difficult game, and uh, uh, thankfully, I could help the team with uh, some important saves and uh again coming out of the game and, you know of the game with a clean sheet and uh, a massive shock it was a shock win good uh, Goodison Park and that gave us the the boost to
1: you know to go on and say okay we can beat anyone in the league if we want to I think that was the game where the, the Vito Monone chant started as well wasn't it yeah probably yes yeah
2: yeah was, uh, it was uh it was unbelievable we always had our traveling fans uh in full pack and uh that was the moment where I had my chant and uh after the full, you know, the full-time whistle, I I went over to them, and it was it was a it was a great moment because um, you know I really wanted this this type of game, and I really wanted to put my stamp
1: um, at Sunderland, and that was probably the one of the first moments when I did it. I, I was thinking of players that have had a connection uh, with fans quite quickly, and and you're definitely one of them, especially from sort of the past, maybe say ten years why did you feel the fans and yourself had such a, a quick connection
2: i don't know i'm a, i i think in general i'm a hard-working uh guy i really put everything into into football football is my life and i think it's sort of um, the fans saw that i think the sunderland fans are probably you know the best in the country because of that because uh uh, is an hard working class uh, who love football, love love Sunderland football club to the death, <laughs> and 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 they, you know, they 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 work whole week hard to go to the stadium, and uh, that kind of uh, bond with my philosophy in life, I always gave hundred percent, and uh, that's all they wanted to see, and I think that's where uh, the bond with the fans came. Um, I really wanted to do well. For myself and for the club and for these special fans who traveled everywhere in uh, in England and they gave us goosebumps every time and uh, they gave us full stadiums and great at home and as much as as away um,
1: and, and that's why I had love for them and I think uh, uh, they gave me love back. <laughs> I, I have a feeling as well. I was going to come on to it. We're talking about. Uh pivotal moments now we mentioned Everton and um, but around the same time there was a little cup run that started actually mm-hmm. and perhaps the the most famous Vito Manone moment in your son in Korea what are your memories of that semi-final at Old Trafford well he's uh you know probably one of the best nights I've had he's um
2: uh, mine too <laughs> yeah yeah I know I know it's, uh, I got a lot of Sunderland fans who still remember like yesterday and um, they feel right to me and you know it's it's i'm grateful of that and uh, that's uh, the kind of nights you work for all your life i started when i was a young boy five or six i've done many sacrifices and uh my parents you know did many sacrifices with me my family my wife um always supported me to have a you know a good career and to have this these special nights who you know sometimes uh you don't expect them but they they come along and uh, uh you just need to you know kind of embrace uh, embrace them and uh take your opportunity to show your talents and uh make a big difference in such a special special game for the club and 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 for us because it's uh, it was a semi-final it was at old Trafford. So again it seems like i you know i realized one of my my of my dreams uh Playing at Old Trafford, one of the best stadiums. When I was a kid, I, I watched a lot of games there. Man United, one of the best teams to play against, and then uh, a semi-final. I think it was 28 years or 22 years. Sunderland didn't didn't have a final or something at the time. It was and a while. Yeah, yeah, it was a long time, and uh, such a big club like Sunderland deserved a night like that and deserved to um, to go to Wembley. Um, for a, for for a cup final and the away fans, you know the away hands in, at Old Trafford. Like, I cannot, uh, you know, I cannot forget the sound, the noise, and especially as you said, my chant was going on after the penalties. penalties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was something special, and uh, you know, I have it in my heart, <laughs> and I keep it really tight.
1: <laughs> that that chant went didn't just go on um after the final whistle that chant went on till about three or four o'clock in the morning in manchester <laughs> yeah. city center uh, yeah i know <laughs> i know i know and it went on on the wembley weekend as well yep no it was
2: special as i said i as a player you can't forget something like that because it's uh as i said you work hard fight hard and uh that is the moment that you 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 fulfill your dreams, and uh, as I, as I said, um, it was a special way to go to the final, and uh, that's something that sticks sticks with you in uh, w- with your with your family and with you, and um, uh, obviously I think I think it sticks with the with the Sunderland fans, every every Sunderland fans who was there or was they always remember that night because it's a. Uh, it was a special night and uh, it was the springboard to go to Wembley, so it was great.
1: One thing that I, I remember quite a lot from that game itself, I, I'm speaking from a fan's perspective, um, mm. but I'm interested in, in a goalkeeper's perspective. So, Phil Bosley scores and you think, yeah. that's it, we're going to Wembley, brilliant. And I, I ended up six rows in front, everyone's going crazy and thought, that's it. And by the time we kind of stopped celebrating, we lifted our heads up and... Yeah. Hernandez and has scored now the interesting thing for me is from a goalkeeper's perspective you think Bosley scores you must think brilliant you feel the same as us maybe but then all of a sudden you have to be the hero and you're thrown into this penalty shootout how do you prepare for that mentally when it happens so fast I'm completely honest with you I I think that night I kind of had the feeling
2: before even the game started that uh, I could be important for my team uh, it's strange enough that I'm saying, you know, I can't predict things, but for the season I was having and the season, you know, the the, the cup run that I was having, I was, I play well against Chelsea in the quarterfinal as well. It was a tough game, extra time. I felt like it was going to be, so um, that's why I didn't get uh, so excited Um this game was crazy enough as well. During the ninety minutes, it was crazy. It was few chances for them, and uh, you know we kept them up there. And uh, I, I think as well, you know that goal gave us uh, uh, a fake feeling of uh, you know we almost there. But I felt like it was a you know the challenge was still was still there. And as you say, they came straight away at us, and they. They scored straight away, but then we, I think they had one more chance as well uh, to score another one on the on a penalty, um, sorry, no, on a, penalty, on a free kick um, at the edge of the box. And uh, I made another save before the extra time. So it, w- it was like, you know, a very tense game. Um, obviously not good for the fans because the nerves were going nope. up and down. <laughs> um, but when the extra time came along, I thought, you know, this is the chance. That I knew he could go to penalties and I said, this is the chance to uh, make my mark and uh, try to help this team, this club, these fans to,
1: to, you know, uh, have a great night. And that's how he, he went really. Talking about sort of tough nights and games where you've had to make lots of saves, shortly after that Old Trafford semifinal, you had maybe one of the easiest games of your life when we went to St. James's Park. Um. Yeah. How, why did we perform so well that day? It was so easy. How How do you How was your first derby considering it was so easy to beat them that day? Everything clicked.
2: I think everything clicked from that moment. Confidence was so high. Um, we knew how to play. We We were the team we were supposed to be, and what uh, the manager wanted. I mean, every single one was performing at uh, probably at the best. Um, and I felt like you know going to san james's as well was was fantastic uh, uh you kind of uh, get in the in, in the tiger's cage you know you you kind of get in, in a place that where you go you're facing uh, your opponents uh, you're facing the enemy and you're facing probably who wants you to lose the most so and it was for us as well you know to go there and win and imposed our you know our game style for I, I thought it was great um, and when you kind of have your back on the wall that's where you know the best wins come and uh, that was the case i think um, we really wanted to to win but we wanted to win uh, in that way in that certain uh, certain way so to win 3-0 away as you said, it looked easy, but it wasn't easy because you got almost, uh, what is it, 50,000 against you. So, uh, yeah. Something
1: and, like and, that. And you got the <laughs>
2: way. you know, the way. fans, the Sunderland fans were on top of that, on top of that place in the, in the stadium, really high. And, you know, you can't even see them nearly and Every time we scored, you know, Fabio, Fabio went on the on the hoardings, and uh, <laughs> to be a little bit closer to 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 you guys, and uh, it was it was fantastic, you know. So it, it was a great game again. It was a great moment in the year, and
1: probably one of the of the moments of of, of the special miracle here. It, it felt like, um, and you mentioned it before about the the perfect way that Gus Poyet wanted to play. It just felt like that game was. Gus Poyet's dream yeah everything clicked as I said everything clicked from the back
2: very solid at the back we kept playing um uh, you know the passing game we kept moving and the midfielders were solid uh we kept finding spaces and uh especially up front you know we as I said every, everything clicked everyone was uh was on fire that day and uh uh, to be honest, we had some sleek moves as well to score our goals. Um, the third one, especially when Jack Colbuck, which we, we know that after he went to, <laughs> to Newcastle, and you know, Don't the, swear. <laughs> the, the, the celebration by him, uh, he, he, was, he was crazy, but uh, that's how he went. I think that that is the most imposing game. So, Sunderland team, probably an imposing win. If I can say, uh, despite, I know Di won 3-0 the year before, but nobody outplayed, outplayed Newcastle in their own turf
1: like we did that no. year, I think. And we really did. I totally agree with you on that. Shortly afterwards was the, the real big game, which was Wembley. And I suppose uh, I spoke to Seb Lawson about this and... The day was amazing and there's so many positives you can take from that day. So yeah. I, I kinda wanna speak first and foremost about the positives of that. But what are your memories of Wembley, like the fans coming out of the stadium?
2: Unbelievable, unbelievable memories. The the old trip down to London, the way you get closer to the stadium, you know, you try to focus to um to get in without emotions, but you can't hold it really. Um it was uh, a sea of uh, red and white colors all over the streets, and we knew we knew everyone from Sunderland was coming down to to see this game, and uh, you know, uh, to have a kind of dream. We wanted, we, we really wanted to win this cup, uh, especially for the run we had, and uh, after whole Trafford, after the quarterfinal against Chelsea, it, it wasn't easy. It was a long time that the club didn't didn't win anything and haven't been in the final. So the approach to the game was amazing. The time I went out uh, for warm-up, I never had, you know, this kind of goosebumps before, despite I played some big big games for Arsenal in the Champions League, you know, in my career. It's it's been some nice moments too. But I think, as I said, uh, this one to to look at uh, uh, all the Sunderland supporters Singing my name in the warm up, you know, it's 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 a great memory to have and uh, something I can show hopefully my kids in the future and uh, uh, and be proud of it, you know.
1: It really was a fabulous day, and as a as a fan as well, it, it it's a great memory to look back on. And I can only imagine, you know, on the pitch how amazing that was too. I think we all felt it. But when I was talking to to Seb Larson about the same situation. Mm-hmm. And, and I know it affected you because I remember you were like the closest to the fans at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, how, how hard was it to take the defeat after not, not just losing in the final, but we played really well. We were beaten by a it, wonder goal. It was so painful. Uh, so painful. I can't describe it because it's
2: um, probably one of the most painful ones in my career. Um, we were so close to a miracle. We were so close to a cup. And as you say, we dominated the game for sixty, seventy minutes against Manchester City, one of the best sides in in Europe, and uh, yeah, never mind in England. So we were the underdogs, but we played we played with heart and we played with an intention to win that cup. But we really wanted it. So I thought we did magnificent on the day. Uh, forget the result. Forget you know that we lost, but. Uh, as I said, it was painful. I we held up our heads very high, I think, uh, despite the result and um, nothing. I thought it was going to be, as I said before, I thought it was going to be for the cup run we had and you know the for, for, for the fans and for everything. It's, we we deserve that uh, that special moment. We deserve the cup, but. We've been beaten by we've been beaten by some magic uh, finishing and some top class players in, in, in football. You can only, you know you react to the game and unfortunately it was two special moments from them that changed the game. But I have to say that on the day we were better than Man City, despite them coming out with a win. Do
1: you think that it was a shot or a cross? <laughs> no, it was unfortunately it was a shot. I I never know. I never know how in
2: his head you know he thought about shooting. Um, just incredible, just horrible I, to watch. I watched it and watched it again. I I, th- I think if I'm standing in the top corner, it's even harder <laughs> to save it. To save it like because he went he went in exactly like that, and he went in from you know the ball kind of deep from three meters down. I mean that ball was swerving all the way in the top corner and uh, sometimes you have to raise your hands and say well done and um this is the type of uh, goals you can only say well done well done to the to to, to the opponent so yeah yeah we know yaya toure's got this in his locker he scored other goals like that and uh, unfortunately he decided to do after a very difficult game from his team <laughs> <laughs> i think that was the moment they changed the game, huh? That that was the, Yeah. That was the moment so. where they needed some lift because they couldn't get past us and we were so solid and we were contra attacking them as well. We had other chances before that, I remember. Uh, Fabio, the second yeah, one. Fabio, and uh, Stephen Fletcher as well, he was close one time, if I remember. Oh well. Fletcher. Yeah, I rem- at and the end. Yeah. So it was as I said, we we didn't capitalize on them, and they only needed something like that to change the game. And unfortunately, he, he, that goal hit us very hard because after that, straight away, we the dream kind of uh, went away from us, you know, after that goal, because we said if we can't <laughs> if we can't win today, then we cannot win any any other day. Yeah. <laughs> we play so well, and this goal goes in. I mean, what can we do? But as I said. Uh, I want to remember the positives. I want to remember, you know, I really want to lift that cup for Sunderland. But I kind of did in a certain way. Uh, yeah, we, we we did anyway, and that's why it's been it's been so good. And I I thought we had to be proud, ourselves, players, and the fans Definitely. too, uh, because we we kind of uh, I know we didn't lift it. Uh, uh, it didn't materialise to leave the cup, but uh, at the end of the day for the cup run we had and uh, as you said before, magic night at Old Trafford, a special phenomenal day out memories. at Wembley, uh, that was like a win for us.
1: I know we lost, but it was like a win. For me personally, the the Old Trafford game, the Bardsley goal is the, to the best memory of supporting Sunderland and many fans are saying there were phenomenal, phenomenal moments and sometimes it's you have to remind yourself that you, you didn't actually win anything cuz it was such a good run yeah
2: yeah yeah he always in my stomach don't remind me anymore because i would really go back now right now and try my my you know try even harder and try my best even harder to 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 win it but it is what it is it's it's, it's football it's a learning curve and moments like this you
1: learn from it and the thing is you go to Wembley, you have that kind of season and you think, you know, surely the crazy games are over. Yeah. And then our our form dipped a little bit. Yeah. And then and then we played Which Manchester City the, away. If,
2: if I can say it was normal, yep. it was gonna be yeah. normal. I've been affected, I'm honest, as a player. I've been affected by losing that cup because as I said, it was heartbreaking. And it felt like the old team needed a month to react after that. Um we couldn't play anymore like before. We couldn't react again like before. We, as I said, we we, we were so
1: close to touching the sky and we didn't. So. But there was a moment when, you know, on that run where, like you say, it took us a month to get it out of our system. And, and, and we almost didn't have that month because we went seven points adrift, I think it was. And then we played Manchester City away. Yeah. And we're talking about the same Manchester City that brought out magic at the cup final to win it and, and we absolutely battered them on their own yeah, ground yeah. and it was out out of nowhere that happened but the, the big thing I remember from that when we're talking of Vito Manone is the second goal and I remember everyone supported you after that because you'd had such a good season everyone makes that mistake but in the grand scheme of things, you came back from that. The whole team came back from that disappointment of the second goal to create a miraculous recovery, really. And and we called it the Great Escape. And I, I still stand by that was the greatest escape from relegation in Premier League history. But what did you do following that game to refocus from that mistake and move on from it to have the end of the season that yourself and the team did? That was a moment uh, where...
2: As I said, it was a learning curve it was a learning curve to lose the final, and we we needed to react. We didn't react it until that night, probably and uh, again, as you say, we went to city and batted them and unfortunately, mistakes happened uh it happened to me it was the last minute a strong shot. I should have put my hands in a different wave and unfortunately uh, I, I was following the ball all the way to the line and trying to recover uh and I didn't. And uh, straight after, I thought that the the team really helped me out. The manager really helped me out because we had a massive game on Tuesday, and uh, which was Chelsea away. So basically, seven points at drift. We we nearly did it again. We nearly beat Man City on on the turf, and it didn't happen. So the process was it's not time to dwell if you want to show who you are you know you, you showed it all season i was having a great great season that the year i felt unbeatable at times and um i just needed to do it one more time for myself for my family for the club and uh you know i needed to react straight away if you want to show that you are a you know a good goalkeeper in the Prem, i think um Mistakes happen happens to everyone. It happens to De Gea in the semi-final. It happens to to Petr Cech. He happens to, to many great goalkeepers. I can name a lot of them. But the best thing about, about a goalie is the next game. It's not the game where you make a mistake. It's the game after. If you dwell on it and you feel sorry for yourself, then uh, I would uh, not only destroy myself, but destroy the, the, the team effort to do a miracle. So I think that's why I had, again, one of the best games at Chelsea. Uh, I think I I made uh, made the record of the Premier League saves uh, at Chelsea. It was 14 saves in one game. And uh, I really wanted to react and I really wanted to get safe. And, be, you know, despite not winning the cup, for us, it was going to be... That was our next cup, winning a miracle, you know, relegation battle. And we did and uh, i think the team reacted the team really helped me um, and they were supporting me um, and that was great great to see and it brought the team together in a kind of way so the group really got tight and uh, we said okay we're gonna go to to chelsea never mind this chelsea never mind this Stamford bridge never mind this uh you know one of the best sides in the league Mourinho not losing for 76, 76 games, I think, in a row. It was ninety nine. Oh no, even even worse. 99. So, yeah, ninety nine games. So why not? We said why not make history again? And, uh, why not Sunderland? Did. Yeah, why not Sunderland? And
1: you know that that game was the game it change everything with the the season and things like that. You spoke of character, and I think unfortunately, when things have gone the way that things have gone with Sunderland, perhaps since you've left, sometimes fingers can be pointed at players who have been at the club for a long time, mm. such as uh, John O'Shea and maybe Lee Catmull. And there's sometimes a perception that, you know, maybe they have not caused problems, but they they are a, a core of players that have been with us through a lot of negative times. But mm. how important, you're talking of team spirit, the likes of Lee Catmull and John O'Shea when you have a moment like you did at Manchester City, how important are those players? Yeah, the frustration is understandable when uh,
2: when you have negative times. <coughs> Such passionate fans like Sunderland fans hits you, you know. He, but you you don't have to forget that it's the players first who are on the pitch to do their best and uh, try to you know avoid these negative times and you know. They want to be successful. They want to be successful for the club and for the fans. So, um, I can talk for myself and I can talk for people like Lee, for example, who for me is a great, great example. I can talk for people like John O'Shea, who I know, who I know very well. And they are leaders and they all, uh, always, you know, lead every player in the dressing room to do their best for themselves and for the club. So, the frustration is understandable, but again, they've been great, great players and great servants for for, for the club. I think.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I would agree.
2: It's not always easy when you are in those moments. You got everything against you. You got your own fans against you, and you're trying to you try to react and you try to you know, as I said, to to save the club in difficult moments. At times, if you want me to be honest, completely. Many mistakes have been made um, behind the curtains, and the, the club did many mistakes. And the players never let uh, the fans down in for attitude and fighting. And you know, I, I don't think they did. Players like Lee and players like John, um, and many others. We wanted uh, we wanted to be successful. That's that's all. And we kind of lived with the mistakes that we were made in the club, in the board, or whatever, whatever happened, You know it's, so many things happen, so, but, when we, we were stepping on the field,
1: we try our best, I think. In typical Sunderland fashion, we beat, Man United, Chelsea, we go to Wembley, we have one of those, outstanding seasons, end of the season, sorry, mm. and then it comes to the new season, everything's feeling positive, and um, everything at the club, going into the new season, is brilliant, but, like, it seemed to happen every season things went sour very very fast and I remember in particular you had a really difficult few weeks I think we played a few games we drew a few games we we didn't play so well but we weren't losing too many games Mm -hmm. and then we lost 8-0 at Southampton and we lost 2-0 against Arsenal and I think you got a lot of the blame for some of the goals And, and shortly afterwards Gus Poirier dropped you and played um, costello Pantelimon. But did, did Gus speak to you following those games and explain his decision? Was he a good manager like that? No, the problems The problems were, unfortunately,
2: with, uh, with the club, with Sunderland, with the board. The problems were at the beginning of the season. It was not the moment of the Southampton game. Only. It was not the moment where I've been dropped. It's, unfortunately, it's been before. People don't know, people, you know, it's many years later, I can talk now. It's, I'm not the club anymore and, you know, it's, they're here, I, as you say, the play of the season here, I played my heart out and I expected a different treatment from the club and that never happened. So uh, they promised me many things, but what they did, they changed the director of sport and the director of sport was coming for me from day one. So, I kind of knew that was going to happen and, and this is league in discussion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, My contract was nearly finishing. They took an option um <laughs> they they used the option as every cup would do, but they didn't offer me any new contract uh, they promised me the contract from the March before mm-hmm. before, before the miracle season mm-hmm. um, and it didn't it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And as a player I was uh kind of hit, you know, because I I really played my heart and I really played for the club. And that summer I received a phone call from him and uh he told me he was gonna bring another goalkeeper in, that he was going to challenge me. And Gus tried to stop me because many clubs wanted me. I had a good season, yeah. I could go in other Premier League clubs. I could go to Syria clubs Champions League and things like that and I said you know what I love these fans I love this club I got to prove again this season I'm the num- I'm I'm the number 1 I want to be here and I want to fight against this so my heart decided for me uh if it was my brain I probably was going to live for the treatment I had because uh th- this guy came in and uh absolutely came against me <laughs> despite the season i had and uh, he didn't want me there and he wanted another goalkeeper so i couldn't believe that could happen but that's what happened uh so i'm completely honest i can tell you the story now i started season in a wrong way mentally that's what happens when you're not right mentally then uh, you're not playing at your best again and uh, everything happens so quickly and uh Gus uh, convinced me convinced me to stay as well. But uh, again, he had to make some choice because uh, some certain players have been brought in by Lee Congerton and Gus had to play them. So
1: that's the reality of football. Uh, with, with Gus, did he, th- throughout this situation with Lee Congerton, did, um, was Gus very much not for Lee Congerton's decision to kind of, Try and move you on. I'm, I'm guessing he fought against that because you you don't speak with any frustration towards Gus Poyet.
2: No, no, no. he's uh, he was a he was a manager who really liked me and really loved me uh, for what we went through. You know, you bond yeah. with certain relationship once you do this kind of uh, seasons like the 2013 2014. I mean, I think everyone had a good relationship with him. He was. He was great. When he came in, he was great. Uh, He achieved something that nobody else achieved, I think, at the club. So you have to respect him. And um, unfortunately, it didn't work out the way the club decided to go for another director of sports. They had different ideas. He he wanted certain players and he didn't get them. Uh, Somebody else was deciding on the players and that's what happens again i said uh, i said it before many mistakes have been made and uh, we kind of paid it uh, on the field so we put our faces on the field to <laughs>
1: to pay the price but um that that was kind of around the the era when we were linked to sort of Virgil van Dijk and we signed Sebastian Quartz instead and and obviously when Jack Rodwell came in as well so um I think it would be fair to say if you asked Sunderland fans if they preferred to beat a Lee League Congerton, you would win. Um, so <laughs> no no <laughs> I think good. You
2: know, <laughs> nothing against him. Everyone has got his own opinions and and probably he thought he was working it was working well for the club, but uh, I never understand why we a club like Sunderland after a season like that cannot not push. And being the top 10 you know, of the Premier League with uh, such a talented talented team. I mean, yeah. we, we lost players who were not signed for four or five million. Players like Marcos Alonso. Yeah. Who we all know now where he is. He's been sold for 28 million to Chelsea. So, um Something went wrong. You know what I mean? It's uh, yeah. We didn't keep Most the core. Definitely. We didn't keep the core of that team. We tried to add people in, and uh, we we kind of changed the game style. But Gus had uh, still, you know, he, he, he put us in us uh, in that season, and uh, and then we paid the price. As I said, another manager, another another change, and all of a sudden you're facing you face an amount to climb again and um, we didn't build on our good moments. That's what I thought and unfortunately this has been the story for three, four years when I was there.
1: Yeah. No, completely. It, it was always false stones. Um, with with Poiet, and, and you may disagree with me here because obviously you have a little bit more um, inside knowledge and you've just mentioned about Congrat and, the, and the changes and, and the signings but a big difference um, following the 8-0, Poyet seemed to maybe panic a little and, and worry that we weren't defensively good enough. And we became very, very defensive when previously we were quite an attacking team. Do you think the 8-0 defeat at Southampton changed the way Gus Poyet wanted to play? Or do you think simply the players that were signed by Lee Congerton that summer did not fit into the style of play Gus Poyet wanted and it just unraveled.
2: Yeah, it's just, when uh, when things don't go well, it's a mix of things. It's not, you can't point a finger to one, to the players, to the manager, to the ball. It's, it's a mix of things, I think. It didn't work out that year. And uh, we obviously we didn't play like before and it was difficult. It was a, uh, you know, I think Gus always felt the. Uh, the misconnection with the uh, with the club, having a director of sport, we didn't have his own ideas, and you know it, it's um, it's been difficult from day one when we were in Portugal in pre-season. I still remember um, certain players didn't come in, the players wanted. Again, other players came in, and we you kind of facing things in the Premier League. Nobody waits for you, uh, and we didn't have that time. Like in the previous year, um, to to react and uh, you know to get positive results straight away. so it's it's been difficult and it's been difficult moments. and um, but as I said, to to have a big problem, you need to have many mistakes along the way, and that's what happened. I think
1: he didn't play under him very much, and he wasn't here very long, but we did have another great escape at the end of that season. Um, how was your relationship with Dick Advico? Uh, uh,
2: a strange one again. <laughs> <A> strange <laughs> one. It's um, he was not like Gus. Uh, Gus came in, and uh, I think he chose he chose the the players uh, by the training. He chose the players who were performing well in training and in games. Uh, Dick kind of went he he had no time because it was towards the end of the season I think and um, he he kind of went with uh, whoever is getting the results is in that's it so um, we were a bit lucky I think this year I'm completely honest we grinded some results um, especially towards the end I remember two penalties against Southampton for example at home Um, we went we went to Everton and we won by a goal on goal we we grind uh, a draw uh, at Arsenal and it was it didn't feel like uh, the, the previous year, previous year where we had to do so much to get safe you know what I mean uh, again uh, his uh, respect uh, for the for the job that uh, Dick did um, I think uh, he gave a lot of character to the team and they gave uh, this uh tough mentality to to grind the results and grind the points where we needed. And I think we did
1: at the end. That period between maybe the Southampton game and Dick Advocar sort of leaving was for you personally one where you played second fiddle to um Costell Pantelamon. But yes. when Sam Allardyce came in, things really changed. Um because not only did you overtake um Pantelamon, he actually sold Pantillamon. Um so you know, personally, what changed for you when Sam Allardyce came in and, and how did you find him as a man and as a manager? Well, again, basically, I don't want to, you know, I always
2: work hard and I always try to, to show myself in training and I did for that long here. When Lee Congato came, you know, obviously Lee Congerton decided to, he had a word for the next manager and he decided for Dick, uh, Dick Advocate. so... Uh it was obvious that I was not going to have a, a chance under advocate because of uh, <laughs> Lee Conger who never wanted me there in the first place. It's, it's as easy as that and uh, that's why I say it's not down to my training or my performance. So, you know, the fans don't know. The fans don't know what's happening daily on daily basis and uh, uh, that was what happened. So I never had a chance despite training well with Dick and uh Things didn't go well again. We changed the manager again, and uh, big sum came in. And uh, he's another manager like Poya, uh, who decided to put the best performance. And he, he told me to train, to train hard, and to show my talent. And that's what I did before I was getting my chance again. I was waiting and waiting. Um Despite that, I didn't decide to leave the club because I. I kind of have, uh, you know, the good memories of the first year and I, I wanted to, to replicate them again. And, um, after I remember you gave me the chance again and, uh, you know, once they, somebody gives me confidence, I can go on the pitch and, uh, try to be my best again. And that's what happened. Um, we had a great end of the year, the season and possibly replicate some, uh, good moments like, uh, You know, like in 2013, I
1: think. It's funny you mentioned the word confidence. Um, There's a few people I've spoken to who played under Big Sam. Mm. And Sam seemed to be very, very good at making everyone feel great about themselves. You know, Um, and I really noticed the difference in you. With your confidence when you came back into the team under Sam Allardyce, how how good is Sam Allardyce at making you feel the best that you can be?
2: It's 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 great. Listen, sometimes you you need this kind of managers. I think, especially for myself, it's a uh, it's a game where you put yourself out and you try to be your best. And um, you know, having somebody who tells you you are good and comes in and. Sees your talent and is really focusing on mad management, uh, and is really focusing on getting you back to your best. Uh, that's what happened with Big Sam. I ca- he came in and the first day he brought me into the office and he said, "Okay, show me what you got." And uh, that's what I did. And uh, after that, he was praising me for what I've done, and if uh, he probably done that with every member of the team especially with the team, we improved mentally so much um, under him. And I think we you could tell that after January or February, I think we had a, such a great run towards the end of the season and we escaped again relegation. We were one of the best teams in form and uh, we didn't lose in
1: 11 or 12 games, if I remember well. Yeah, it, it was, I think we lost three in, in 15 and a lot of a lot of that team stayed together it was it was a team that picked itself you had Kirchhoff, you had Casary you had mm. Kone and Kabul at the back what one thing i really wanted to ask you about um Eunice and uh, Lamine yeah. that central central yeah. back partnership seemed to be one of the best that we've had in, in the Premier League years towards the end You've played in front of quite a few, uh, sorry, behind quite a few central defenders. Mm-hmm. How good was Lamine and Yunus and why do you think that worked so Again, well?
2: Again, uh, when you have a kind of manager like that, and certain games, we clicked. we Everything clicked for us. I thought we, some found the best 11 and uh, uh, we were on top of our form and I think it was fantastic to play. It was an, an enjoyment in a kind of way. So, Eunice uh, and Lamine, two absolute beasts. <laughs> Which, uh, you yeah, know, absolute, especially Younes. yeah, two machines. Yeah. great defenders on top of a form, confident. Um, I think they kind of, um, um, how can I say, they match each other. You know, in. Uh, one was quick. Yeah. One was, you know, good header. Lamine was strong. Strength was incredible. Um, he was quick. He was recovering uh, at times certain balls that, you know, Eunice couldn't make. And and then Eunice was there. The, his game reading was there. It was his experience, his leadership. It was fantastic, you know, to to have them in front. And I I felt great. And he only, I think he only helped. Any any of us. He helped me performing better. And then I was helping them to perform better. And the team, you know, it just clicked. As you say, Young Kirchhoff, he was wabi. Right? Uh, he was very creative for us. The wingers who were dangerous. And, you know, up top, you had a, a machine goal like Jermaine, and, you know, everything was fantastic. That team was incredible. Uh, I think it yeah. was another team who I remember really well. Um, as I said, towards the end of the season, we were, we were great. We were a great team who could fight for the top ten, possibly in the Prem. Um, uh, you know, uh, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that uh, Jan and no, Villa, another fantastic player.
1: Oh, Jan, I miss tell Jan. Me
2: why, why we <laughs> never find him again? Uh, oh, why? So it's again uh, great, great moments, positive, fantastic, but. It's a bit of uh, bitterness in my mouth because uh, we could spring into something beautiful from that time. Yeah. But unfortunately, it didn't happen again. And I think all these moments, if I'm honest, I'm a, I'm a Sunderland fan still. So it, it's still painful, you know. It's still painful for me because I was, you know, one of the of the main guys there. And, uh, yeah. To see the club where he is now is painful even more because we didn't personally, but the club wasted many opportunities to build something great uh, and to build a great team in the in the Premier League. We wouldn't been there without many mistakes, if I'm honest.
1: You you were someone who had been at the club sort of a little while at that point, um, something can be a little bit like a revolving door, but. You you had been there for a fair while. Um, you touched on it before about Jan and Via, um, but also Eunice was allowed to go. Oh yeah, pretty uh, much for for no reason. Um, I never know why. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it with with Jan. Um, it, it was it someone that you were close to. Was it someone that you know wanted to come back? And did you ever find out the reason why why he didn't come back?
2: he, he would like uh, anybody else love to come back anybody who as I said uh, anybody who lived in Sunderland and uh, played for the club and you know with such great fans and did magic moments like we did certain relegation battles certain wins it just inspired to stay there and you know become somebody important for the club and I thought it was the same for myself for other players for Marcos Alonso, for Jan Mvila, for for other players who've been there, they can tell you exactly the same thing. If I if I go and ask now, Jermaine uh, for players like you know players who've been important for the club, Eunice, for example, he was he was in tears the day we got safe, and he, he, the day the the, the, the day has been let go so easily. I re- I still remember the day at the training ground. He couldn't believe in himself. So, unfortunately, that's what happened, and uh, unfortunately, decision. Every we 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 kind of been a nice toy towards the end of seasons, and uh, a beautiful toy, and uh, we actually have been destroyed at the beginning of the new seasons. That's why I felt like every time.
1: With Eunice, uh, you mentioned that he couldn't believe that it was going as well but it was it was put across like he wanted the move to To your knowledge would he, have, would he have happily stayed at the club?
2: He just wanted to he wanted the club to show him some uh, uh obviously some respect and some willingness to keep him there. Yeah. And, uh, he had his family reasons he, he moved to London closer to his family or whatever but that day when he came down he's I still remember he came down from the office and he, he said the club didn't do anything to keep him here. So, uh, they didn't fight enough for, for for him to stay despite he, he was having dif- different reasons. You know what I mean?
1: And do you feel like there was a few players like that? I mean, for, Eunice was left to go without a fight. Uh, Jan Vila was allegedly at the airport and we never tried to sign him. Instead, signed somebody else for 13 million. um, you you can go back to all the way back to Marcos Alonso but there was also the situation with uh, Lamine Kone uh, where i think he was offered a contract the year previous and that was then revoked and then the move to Everton came along and it just it seemed that that summer was just a total mess was that happening a lot with different players
2: uh, unfortunately it did happen to different players and that summer we we were in pre-season i still remember uh we were in preseason with uh, with big sam and uh, everybody knew that we turned the corner so much uh after another another great escape and uh with big sam something clicked like like i said but you needed to to maintain the core you needed to push on and you needed to add good players to the to, to that core uh to push on and that was the summer we had to we kind of felt okay we had problems in the past. You know, we made mistakes. We didn't turn the corner again. We had another relegation battle. Finally, we save our club again, yet again. And you know, we need to do it now. We got a manager. We need to invest in the players, in the manager. It was big sum at the time, and uh, unfortunately, I don't think big sum have been uh, have been helped with that because Jan never materialized, and other players never materialized, and. Uh, and then the England comes up and some decide to leave us in the middle of the preseason. So there was another time, another moment where we could uh, we missed it. We kind of missed the train to to build on something good.
1: How did the players react when Big Sam left? Because there's a there's a train of thought that if England hadn't got knocked out from Iceland, maybe none of that would have happened. But there's another train of thought that Sam wasn't going to get backed in the transfer window and they weren't going to bring Mbela in and they weren't going to bring in the players that he wanted. Were you or were the players expecting Sam to go anyway or were you still surprised when he came in? I think it was in the pre-season game against Hartlepool and said he was leaving to go to England.
2: No, it was a massive shock. uh, (coughs) I think that week, you know, despite not not playing one game in the the new season, that was the week he got Sunderland relegated. So I'm sorry to say it, but it was yeah. a massive shock to the team. It was a massive shock to the to the staff, knowing after what we done and how, how how hard we we fought the year before and how we fought in the past three, four, five years. Uh, so when you when you get knocked down, you know you down. we always got up and reacted, and we saved the club and we we kept that Premier League. Uh, you know Premier League identity, um but this was the the end of it. I mean, it was the was probably the knockout knockout punch uh, in the face because we Sam was our leader. It was somebody who came in, and, as I said, he built a beautiful team, and uh, we just needed to back team and and uh, the club needed to back team and, uh, in the in the transfer window, maintain the core of the team, add a little bit more and we wouldn't have been fine. We're never going to be relegated. I think instead we were going to have one of the best seasons in the Prem if you kept that team. It didn't happen. So unfortunately it didn't happen, and unfortunately it was the... We went from one extreme to the other of feeling positive, feeling down again. And
1: I, you know, I think you fans and Sunderland fans saw that. We felt it too. And um, I, I think... The, the problem that you have, and, and the one thing I, I really did want to ask was some other from from his demeanour and what you see as a fan is, is cheery, he's positive, he's confident, he's funny, um, and we brought in a guy David Moyes who just seemed like the opposite. And I think when you have a shock like that, David Moyes just seemed like the wrong person. Um, what what were your opinions on David Moyes and why it didn't work?
2: Again. Um to, you know, go down as much by losing some. We needed some, uh, you know, sort of reaction because it's been a, a massive hit in our face. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't get that with uh, with David Moyes. And uh, the season complicated and uh, we never came back from that. The club wanted to stay with him, um, gave him all the time, uh, to work and obviously to to try to fix the, the 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 problems, but unfortunately the problem, as I said, it was in that in that week in preseason. Didn't get the same players. Didn't get the same team. The manager wasn't there. The manager was so successful in the previous three, four, five months. Wasn't there anymore for us, and uh, it kind of uh, we we were kind of tired of reacting. If you understand, I think. Uh, it's difficult to say because as a player, you always need to react, do well, do well for yourself. But it's not easy if you think it's one year, two years, three, four, five, you know, mistakes, okay. changing manager, six, seven managers in five years. As a player, it's not easy, trust me. You Three, four, five relegation battles. Finally, you think you turn a corner, all of a sudden you didn't. And you're fighting again. So it kind of... Uh, Uh, ties you up you know i thought that was the problem so it was difficult it was difficult you know it it was difficult for david moyes uh, himself to to find a solution for it and um unfortunately we he came like nothing happened but unfortunately the core of the of the team and you know somebody like myself i'm talking about myself too it was difficult it was difficult to fight against your own. Uh, problems of changing manager, changing director of sports, changing the boards, changing, 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 you know, molding to a new system, molding to new players again, changing the core of the team, adding seven, eight, nine players who the manager wanted, and again, you get, you have to mold as a team, you have to, and I think the Premier League don't leave you space for that, so they can, no. you can get safe one year, two years, three years four but it's going to catch up on you. And that's what happened. Unfortunately, that that what happens, you know.
1: And then it comes to the end of the season. And uh, I, I was actually at your last game. If I, if I remember correctly, it was uh, St. Johnson, I think, in pre-season oh, <laughs> four yeah. games. Yeah. Um, a straightforward question. Um, did you want to leave or did you feel forced out by Martin Bain?
2: No, it's... Um, again, it's... Uh, I was coming from four or five years of difficulties and, you know, me wanted to stay at the club and me wanted to fight at the club and, and be successful. But that same uh, year I've been told by the chairman that we were not going to fight for promotion. We were not going to fight, so, you know, we were going to get safe. Uh, financial problems came along. We started to talk about uh, players leaving, who was leaving, who was not. And, uh, I'm humble. I'm a hard worker, and I want to win. That's that's why I, I think you, <laughs> every fan, every Sunderland fan knows this. And uh, yeah, you know, for me to head into it here, and as Sunderland, Sunderland, massive club, going into the championship, I'm thinking when I was not gonna fight for being in the playoffs or getting back to where the club belongs, I thought, why, why, why should I stay here? You know. This is yeah. not me. Um, and then, obviously, they started to talk about um, the financial problems. And uh, But it was better for me to leave. Uh, Martin explained the situation. And um, again, like uh, Younes, like Marcos, like Jan, I didn't see the fight, you know, the fight that I wanted to see. The club didn't fight to keep me. So uh, I kind of felt it was the moment to to move on
1: so just to sum up final question and I always like to end on a positive where I can and there's a lot of positive Um, what does Sunderland and your time at Sunderland mean to you? Uh, Everything everything
2: I think Sunderland is the moment where I realised who who I really was and it was the moment where I could uh Show my talent at the best uh, in the best league in the world, which is the Premier League. And um, despite having, uh, you know, a good first few years in England in my career and such a big club like Arsenal, where it was a learning curve for me as a youngster, and where I'm, you know, I was happy to make my debut in the Premier League, and I was happy to make my debut with such a big club in the Champions League, and you know, but I never, I never put my stamp on in the Premier League like like I did in Sunderland. So that's why what I bring with me, I mean, um, it's um, uh, some special moments, as I said, in this interview and uh, a bond with the fans who I will never forget. And I kind of made my history there and I think it's, my, it's part of my career. And uh, it, as I said before, it will always stay with me and with my family, uh, with my heart, because it's uh, at the end of the day, despite the problems, despite the survival battles, despite the, despite the low is so many highs and so many good memories, which I bring with me. And, uh, that's all, all, what is it? Sunderland football club for
1: me is good memories. That's it. Good answer. Well, Vito, thank you so much for doing it. Um, really good chat. Really nice to hear what the club meant to you. So many good memories. Yes, difficult moments as well, but fantastic to catch up. The fans are going to love to hear from you. Um And I hope, I hope you're going to come back very soon for a match. You'll always have a seat, I imagine, with the fans if you ever want to come yeah, back. Yeah, it would be fantastic. I mean, uh, I only want to say thanks to the fans and thanks to the club for the special
2: years that I had there. And, Always I keep I keep them in my my heart and uh, I just hope that they're gonna be they're gonna be back where the club belongs and uh
1: you know, I'm uh, I'm rooting for them to come back to to the special Sunday. It'll never be simple with Sunland as you know. But um oh. like I say like I say Vito, thank you very much. It's very, very appreciated. Thanks for Wembley, by the way. That was the best night of my life for that.
2: Yeah, no, no <laughs> problem, no problem. I, I hope somebody's not gonna kill me after this interview, all, all the people. No.
0: Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAC, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange.